0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org.
1: All right, yes. Well, as I face being 39, it's very traumatic experience. Yes, this how many times am I 39? 39 again. So, Anyways, yeah, that's great. Right there is perfect. Yes, thank you, John. It's just a, you know, I was t- telling Gwen yesterday in the, uh, in the cars we were driving, what, what a privilege that Gwen and I have. We just get to follow John around, you know, the world, one of the, the main chief apostles of our, he doesn't like that at all, of our, of our generation. My goodness, and we are we are really blessed that uh, we've been connected in with Toronto for all these years, and uh, <coughs> we live near near John and Carol, so Gwen and Carol go shopping quite a bit, and we really really like it when they leave home because we get to go to their house, <laughs> and their house is full of angels. It really is and it also has a hot tub. <laughs> and so we like both the angels and the hot tub. Isn't it in- <laughs> where we go and just soak, you know, we can do, do two kinds of soaking. Soaking with the spirit ariba and soaking in the water. Oh, it's wonderful. So anyways, Arriba. Cameron, how long does this session last till? Lunch, Lunch is at noon. I figure if you're if you're still here after yesterday, and you came back, then ah, we can really be free this morning. <laughs> going to teach in a little bit. Ah! Arriba! (sniffs) Probably. (laughs) But this morning... (sighs) One of the brothers, ah-ha-ha-ha, ha, ha, came up and asked me, Arriba, what does Arriba mean? And so, you know, most of you are familiar with this, and, and I appreciated the question because not everybody is familiar with some of these these manifestations, and we're still learning. So, the, you know, Arriba means to go higher in Spanish. It started, as many of you know, like 16 years ago in Ukraine when we were missionaries there, and this word just kept on coming out. Arriba, go higher, go higher. But it's, it's fascinating, like, what God has, has, is doing with us continually and keeping us kind of on the edge of, he gives us these little manifestations. And, uh, like, I'm, I still f- have questions about it. And it's, and it's interesting. Arriba. Because one of the recent things, and this is what I want to share. One of the recent ones is that, Hariba! When I lay my hands on people, a a couple of months ago, I, I just couldn't lay my hands on people anymore. I had to, like, I have to tap them. And so yesterday... When I was going around, ha <laughs> ha, just praying for some of you, 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 you felt me like tapping. And uh, I don't have the answer to that, but it's like Cameron, I'm telling you, I can't just lay hands on people anymore. It's got to be like the spirit just has the tapping. So this morning we're going to have a quiz. What does the tapping mean?
0: fatherly and motherly. I think it's what you do with a young one. That could be it, yeah.
1: I like that one. You tap someone (laughs) to get their attention. Ha, 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 ha. But it's these little things where they become doorways. They become gateways. When we respond to them in humility, that somehow the power of God enters into the uh, Situation through those little doorways, and that's what that's what manifestations are, and it's really important. And I really want to emphasize that we are not only a a network or a ministry of manifestations. It's just that when they happen, and for me, they happen a lot, and and um, it just seems to be a uh, an opportunity for the Spirit to bring His glory. Ariba. <laughs> and his grace into the situation. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. Here we are as leaders. Gathered together in a hot Michigan morning. And we thank you for the air conditioning. Lord, we just pray that you would let your river increasingly flow into our inner man, into our soul, into our body. Lord Jesus, you said, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink, and out of his inner man will flow rivers. Rivers, rivers of living water, not just one river but many rivers will flow out of our inner man, out of our belly when we drink of you, if any man is thirsty. You proclaimed it on the Feast of Tabernacles. On that day, Arriba, when the priest was bringing the pail from the Pool of Siloam up unto the altar. And the people were lining that stairway as the priest was moving up. And he had that water and Jesus saw that experience. There in a hot day in September on the Feast of Tabernacles in Israel. And prophetically, he said, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. <laughs> and friends, I just want to just share with you as as someone who is an absolute lover of Israel and what God is doing in Israel and restoring Israel in our day. And I I, I love what God is doing there. And sometimes... However, in the church, we take what God is doing and we kind of go cuckoo with it. And I'm okay if you want to keep the calendar, but I want to let you know that you don't have to wait until Passover to receive the blood. You don't have to wait until Pentecost in order to have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to wait until tabernacles to drink. Arriba. And, And some of the church in the West and even in all over the West, and even into Eastern Europe, we've taken this calendar idea and thinking, well, it's only that time and God is going to do something in that time. Friends, now is the time. In the new covenant, the time is called now. And everything is available now. Forgiveness is available now. The power of the blood. You don't have to wait until Passover for that. Pentecost, speaking in tongues. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is available now. And the wine, arriba is available now. Now I say that as someone who completely understands God's restoration of natural Israel and the Jewish people, Okay. But don't, I know for, I didn't really plan on saying this, but don't get off on the now time. Arriba. Revival. Now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit now. Fill us again now. Encourage your leaders now. Empower your leaders now. Give revelation now. Shadabah, we thank you for your calendar that when you wake up in the morning that today's date is now! Ha! <laughs> When you look on your iPhone, what's today? It is now. What do I have today on my iPhone? Have, you have all the benefits of salvation now. Yes. Arriba. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Because as Pete has so well reminded us over the last few years, is that the, mes- the message of the cross is always a now message. And I just, you know, I just want to encourage you guys to get Pete's cross immersion teachings on Romans six and just what is released for us all the time through uh, the the message, the current message, the fresh message of the cross. That the cross is not just; it cannot be a historical message for us, friends. It is. It has got to be living and. It's a new and living way. It's a fresh way. Arriba constantly for us. So hallelujah. Anyways, oh, oh that felt good. Um, (laughs) For those who would like more information on PIH, now we have to go into the officials. No, we're not. (laughs) We have some brochures here. Gwen, could you just hand out some of those brochures? We're just going to take three minutes on this. Raise your hand if you would like uh, more practical information on Partners in Harvest. Besides this mini information brochure that we have about who we are as a network, uh, we also have a little bit more of extensive information booklet. And uh, this is, uh, uh, is, is, it describes more, more about how to connect with us and the practicalities Of connecting with us is is anybody else want uh, any of those Um, we have them up front here if you want some more practical uh, ways to connect with partners there there'll be available up front here then something that we have really as a gift that we can give out to as probably the first seven people who have their hands raised or whatever (laughs) is is this (laughs) prophetic history I see those hands those prophetic history, the prophetic history of Partners in Harvest, which is really a prophetic history of, of the Toronto Revival. And we only have eight, so th- these, these brothers, Gwen, right, one, two, three, four, had their hands up. And uh, they're re- it's really beneficial, it'll just be inspiring uh, about how Partners started. And not just how Partners started, but really how the Toronto blessing started. John had a prophetic dream in the mid-80s. Three cream bottles, that's in there. John's encounter uh, with, or I should say, Bob Bob Jones' encounter with the Holy Spirit regarding the wine being poured out is in there. Mark DuPont's word is in there. Bonnie Shavda's word. There's a number of words that are in there that helped launch the, uh, the, the Toronto blessing and the movement. So... I think that would be encouraging to you as you read through that. And then, yeah, uh, if there's anyone who wants more practical information, we already asked. Go ahead, dear, and hand those out. This is the more extensive information book that, that might help you. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 1, verse 9. Arriba. So Lord Jesus, thank you for standing in our midst as the apostle and the prophet, the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher. And we pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon us. Kathy, I wanted to preach today. Said, okay, sir. So. <laughs> Maybe it's the Lord. <laughs> Lord that you would teach us especially as leaders and help us to be strengthened and empowered especially in our inner man and so we just commit this time to you and I pray that you would fill my mouth with your words and I pray that you would move upon our hearts And that you would change and and transform us. In Jesus' name. Romans chapter 1, verse 9. And I would like to share with you about building up your inner man, building up your spirit. Verse 9 of Romans chapter 1 says For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. In the gospel of his son. Paul was a man of tremendous intellect. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel, at the best seminary of the day. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a zealot of the zealots. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. As uh, history tells us, he was probably, uh, and some would say and as you know, a member of the Sanhedrin. And you have to be up there intellectually to understand that, to be uh, a member of the Sanhedrin. And uh, yet, as a man of tremendous intellect, and also he was a man of, tra- of a tremendous forceful personality, I believe. I Out of the four temperaments, if you look at the choleric, you look at the phlegmatic, the laid-back phlegmatic. You look at the sanguine, kind of the joyful, bubbly person. You look at the melancholic, kind of the deep, creative person. I believe that Paul was probably a choleric in personality, in the sense that he was project-oriented. He was driven. You know, he was willing to separate from Barnabas because the pro- the work had to get done. Okay, the work had done. Doesn't matter whose feelings he hurt. If Barna, if Mark doesn't want to come, tough on him. We're gonna do. I love it. Come on. This man needs this message today. (laughs) Arriba! And so he was a man of tremendous intellect, but he was a man also of tremendous force of personality. He knew what he wanted to do. So that was like a soulish person, that was his his soul. But here he says, I'm serving the Lord with my spirit. So that brings us as leaders to this wonderful question. Because he's a leader, he's serving the Lord, you're serving the Lord. So what part of us is the strongest part of us is the built-up part of us, so that we can model the apostolic model, a reba of serving the Lord with our spirits. So that's what we want to talk about today. This this started. My thoughts on this subject uh, really got heightened back in April when I was down in Alan Smith's church, Catch the Fire Church, one of our partners in Harvest Churches in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I was there for a conference, and I came on on a a Saturday morning, and I was a little bit tired. I sat in the front row. Alan got up and and started speaking about spirit, soul, and body. And when he did that, the Spirit of God came upon me. And I instantly became heightened in senses and, and very, very, very sober. And for those who know me, you know that at tom- sometimes instantly I can become very, very, very drunk. <laughs> like instantly, within moments. But in this, arriba... particular situation I became instantly sober and the Holy Spirit said listen to what what is being said here and so Alan gave this illustration that that I'm gonna give right now in talking about spirit soul and body and some of you saw it briefly during the drunken Tuesday night at our May conference But some of you didn't see it, but I want to review it and kind of go a little bit deeper with us all. And even that later on, you know, maybe we can have some interaction in our comments uh, on it. So I'm going to need five people. I'm going to need five people to help me uh, illustrate the spirit, soul, and body. And so Cameron. You, you, I, I would like you on the platform. Actually, let's just move this back a little bit. Um, Brother Jerry, could you could you go over to that far side, there please? And, uh, and and Pete, I would like you to be over here, please, if you could. And um, let me see. I'm going to put you there. I'm going to need five. And so I need a really... Okay, brother, you you come on up here, please. And I'd like you to be just standing between Cameron and Gwendolyn. Okay, so there you go. All right. So I want to introduce you today to you and to your world. These middle three are you. You are spirit... You are soul, and you are body. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, Jeffrey, Bergen, this is going to be good, Jeffrey. Don't worry. Spirit, soul, and body. Pete, just put that behind you, please, for a second. Thank you. All right. First Thessalonians 5.23 tells us, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be sanctified until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, for us as Western evangelicals, lots of times we have thought about sanctification in terms only of separating from something bad. Sanctification is like, are you sanctified? Have you come out of this? Have you come out of the world? Have you stopped doing these things with your body? Have you stopped thinking things? Have you stopped these habits? In other words, holiness or sanctification is an out of the world. Out of sin and out of concept. Whereas Hebrew sanctification is not just out of something, but it is unto something. It is connected with, it is joined to the presence of God. It is joined to a person and a system of called the kingdom of God and that living, living system given to us, that reign of God given to us by the Holy Spirit. And so sanctification cannot just be come out of that. It's got to be come into something, arriba. And we tell our youth, be holy, or we tell each other, be holy. And then they come out into this no man's zone, this no man's land, and they, they they get bored because there's nothing exciting or pleasurable to enter into. In your spirit, soul, and body. Arriba. So they stay in this Greek, evangelical, western mindset of sanctification. They get bored there, and then pretty soon, the magnet of the world is just so strong. So they, that's where they go back into it. And we haven't given them an opportunity. We haven't given each other this opportunity to live vitally in the presence of God, spirit, soul, and body. Arriba. So that's what sanctification is. It is it is being separated unto the Lord and all the excitement of of glory and presence and joy that 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 is offered to us in Christ. Nevertheless that verse says spirit soul and body which indicates to us that we have a a, a spirit we have a soul and we have a body. And that spirit soul and body as were is originally created with Adam and Eve, were created connected primarily to heaven. So this is Jerry represents heavenly reality. So heavenly reality is constantly extending actively his communion. His voice, His resources, His grace, His joy, the the angels from heaven, the the glory out of heaven, the gifts out of heaven, everything that is in heaven is full, full, full of activity. Everybody say activity. Okay. And that activity of heaven with Adam and Eve was was to come to the earth through a... Vital spirit that was strong and energized and and focused towards the things of God through the soul into the body, and then heaven, excuse me, dear, (laughs) just gave her a black eye. Heaven would come to earth, and that was God's way of of heaven coming to earth. That if the spirit is alive, functioning, healthy. Thirsty, hungering, but it came through that, that, that human spirit. So Watchman Nee tells us that each of these have a function. Watchman Nee tells us that uh, the uh, function of the spirit is conscience, fellowship, and an intuition. Conscience, fellowship, and intuition. So <clears throat> I lived in Eastern Europe for many years, Orthodox theology regarding the state of man before the fall was that Adam and Eve functioned and did righteous acts simply out of intuition. They knew nothing else. They were leaned to righteousness, and they leaned to uh, to doing that out of intuition. But of course, also there was there was fellowship there. And so that spirit was fellowshipping with heaven. And then it came through the soul, and our soul was, is, our, is our mind, our will, our emotions, our imagination, and our memory. And our soul is given to us to relate to one another as, as people. And our souls have imprints on it that each personality is different and we enjoy different souls. And we can interact with different souls. And so each soul is like a snowflake, that it also has its own individual uh, personality imprinted on it from God. And so each soul is unique. And before the fall, the soul only knew love, joy, peace, pace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness. Where are the other ones? Pay, yeah, we did that one. Uh, faithfulness. And it goes on down to self-control. Okay. So that's, those are the emotions that the soul knew. It was just filled with good, good, good emotions. And then the body, everybody say the body is good. Friends, the, bo- the physical is good. The physical, both the body... And the physical realm will live and endure forever. You are not going to be Casper the Friendly Ghost floating on a cloud for a million years or a billion years. In an alien world that, like Star Trek that you cannot relate to and have no relation to from from your personal life jesus came to offer us eternal life and philippians chapter 3 tells us that he is going to uh transform our lowly bodies to have it be to be have it to be conformed to his glorious body and the whole purpose of jesus being on the cross and dying in the resurrection is that He redeemed us, not just spirit, not just soul, He redeemed us body. And Romans 8 tells us that we are saved in this hope. Romans 8 is the hope of the physical creation being redeemed. And then that includes your body. It is not just that your arriba, your. God, save my soul. I invited Jesus into my heart. And then we have no clue of what... This is a short life, folks. I mean, I'm turning 39 tomorrow. Forgive me, Lord. (laughs) I'm turning past 39 tomorrow. That is the truth. And it's like... Dear Lord, in a couple of years, I'm going to be, dare I say it, it. 60. What, wait a minute. Yesterday, I was 20, 22, and I'm Gwen at the Bible School Dining Hall. And, and that, what, what happened here? And wait a minute. You're offering me eternity. So what's eternity going to look like? It's going to look like it's going to be a physical reality, friends. It's going to be a physical reality, and so God created the body and matter to live for, to, to live forever. And so the the and God gave us good things on this earth. First Timothy six seventeen says He's given us all things richly to enjoy. Ah we just got to learn how to sanctify our spirit soul and our body so we would live life the way God intended us to live okay as we know a tragedy happened god said to adam and eve take see that tree on the day that you eat of it you shall surely die they ate Here's the question. Did their body die on that day? No. no. Did their soul die on that day? No. What died on that day? There's something happened in their spirit. The word death really means separation. The word death means separation. And so there was a disconnection that yeah. occurred. Pete, you gotta die, sorry. You gotta die. What am I doing? No, you gotta die over there. Good to die. That's that's the death corner right there, Pete. Sit sit over there and die. Thank you. God bless him. Arriba. So something very dramatic happened in the interaction of the soul and body when the spirit is no longer there to connect with heaven. By this time now, principalities and powers had come down to the earth, and the magnet of the earth had become the ultimate dominant factor and focus and attention of of, of, a, of a fallen human being. Okay, take it easy, Cameron. This is my this is my preaching. Okay, see, and so the body without the godly influence of the spirit could only turn to the reality that is left because heavenly reality has been cut off. Are you with me, friends? Heavenly reality has been cut off because heavenly reality came to us through a healthy spirit. Filled with glory and interacting like the heavenly part of us, interacting with the heavenly part of, of heaven. So not only was the body now turned to the earth, where it has the fallen principalities and powers, but the soul also. And so the body has good appetites. It has it has food, it has fun, it has pleasure, it has sexual sexual appetites, it has good physical appetites that God created but are now disconnected from the interaction with a healthy spirit. And so now we are in a fallen state. And that is called carnal living. ariba. Yeah. So, friends, here's, <clears throat> this is something that maybe we can expand on. We'll see how we go this afternoon, but John's going to go on, but First Corinthians chapter 2 and 3 tells us that there's really three states for, for even for a believer. Well, let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves there. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves right there. What, what's happening here is that this is a fallen state. The gospel message comes along. Yes, this is a great mystery. How we, how we are. And then the Greek, as you know, it says, born from above. We are born again. So that part that died has to be born again. And so we hear the gospel message, and the Spirit comes alive. You can sit down there. However, here is is—it's so important. Just because you and I are born again, it does not automatically mean that your spirit is instantly the strongest part of you again. We've really got to get this understanding down. Just because the spirit man, Arriba! Has become alive again. It does not mean that that is the strongest part of you. Because now for decades, for centuries, and you and and generations, the soul and the body have been focused and living in only the reality of the physical part. And for decades, that's where you were. And that's the way I was. And so what is discipleship? There's two things about discipleship that we're going to talk about. Discipleship is, A, learning how to strengthen that inner man. Learning the functions of that inner man. And I'd like you to turn, please, in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. You know this passage, but let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 3. Paul prays here to the Ephesians who are experiencing revival, by the way, and yet there's still a need that they grow in their inner man. Verse 14 tells us this. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you According to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, through his spirit, in the inner man. And so those word, there's, there's about three words that are so key, four of them that are really so key, riches. The inner man need, need heaven's riches. The inner man feeds on glory. The riches of his glory. He would grant you that out of that something would come into us out of glory. That that when we say yes to glory, riches come along with the glory. Okay, we need to just talk about that one a little bit. When we Say, as leaders, we say yes to an atmosphere of glory. We say we're going to stay in the glory in our service until we're going to be united with the Lord in our service until the glory comes. Let's put it that way. Because when we get our people into the glory, the riches come into their inner man. But that means that you might have to work with the worship group and say, okay, well, with three songs, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work. And if the worship group has 45 minutes planned, but you as the leader feel the glory is going to come in another way, you are responsible as the leader to bring the glory into the service. And if it means cutting off the worship or extending the worship, That's not the important thing. The important thing is the glory. Arriba! (laughs) Because when the glory comes, the riches come. The riches of His glory. To be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. And so the inner man has been born again. But now... Going to other passage, Philemon 25. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul again is praying that grace gets into the spirit of people. Listen, when I was in Bible school, I didn't even know I had a spirit. I was raised in the, in the tradition of a church that no one really taught us to, that you can be aware of the condition of your spirit as much as you are aware of the condition of your hair or your cosmetics or your physical body when you get up in the morning. Aware of the health, arriba, of your spirit, because the Bible says a, a broken spirit can 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 dry the bone bones. Proverbs talks a lot about the conditions of our, of our of our spirits. So Galatians 6:18, Philemon 25, both of those scriptures, Paul is concerned. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that there is a process called marismos the dividing of soul and spirit that the word of god is sharp it is alive and it will help us in this journey of trying to figure out what is of our spirit and what is of our soul, and what is, what is of, our, of our body. So, Pete, stand up, please, now. So now we are praying grace into the Spirit. And the Spirit is not just sitting down. It's becoming stronger and stronger. And the Spirit is learning to commune again with, with, with heavenly reality. I will pray with my understanding, and I will pray with my spirit. I will sing with my understanding, and I will sing with my spirit. Jude, building yourself up in the spirit. Now, sometimes that's capitalized. I don't know if it necessarily has to be capitalized. Building yourself up in your spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 7.1 and let's turn to 2 Corinthians 7.1. This is where... Um, one of our values comes in prominently about confession of sin. You know, inner healing is just basically walking in the light. That's all it is. Walking in the light on a regular basis. And having someone safe to walk in the light with on a regular basis. That's all, that's all the our value really is. Because when you can talk about it, then it, then it gets healed. 2 Corinthians 7. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So, now this is a mystery to me, and this is where I, I, I want to learn in all this. The Spirit is born again. It is being strengthened with grace. And, and see, the gifts of God are added not to your soul. They are not added to your body. The gifts of God that God wants to add to you are added to your spirit. That's where graces attach themselves. When you get a gift, they attach themselves into your spirit, and they become part of you. Arriba. But apparently, there's things in our spirit, whether it be a wounded spirit, a bitter spirit, an angry spirit, a resentful spirit, somehow that spirit still has to be nurtured. And I would admit, as one walking through this, I'm still learning how that all fits together. But it says in Scripture, cleanse yourself from the stuff that gets into your, your spirit. Arriba, from time to time. Okay, so now, so discipleship is, is, is two processes. Number one, you're building up the inner man. And friends, as leaders, we need to understand this. Authority of God dwells in your spirit it does not dwell in your soul or in your body. By forceful personality, or just by exuberant soulish issues, or putting forth the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, my intellect, my emotional presentation, my intellectual presentation, my my force of will that we are going to do this. Arriba. That can just be soulish. but the, but Paul said i am'm I'm, I'm serving the Lord out of here. And he went to Arabia or somewhere for three years, and I just believe he just learned how to how to live in his spirit. And so now we, and so we're, we're building up the inner man. Graces are added to our inner man. Gifts are added. More authority is added to our inner man. We are caring for the inner man. We are learning how to th- do the Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, marismos process, separating the soul, separating the spirit. But now the soul also has to make decisions. Because the soul, for decades or generations, has, de- has decided only for this. Only for this reality. So let's turn to Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. Okay. Verse, let's start at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Okay, so your soul, your mind is part of your, your your soul here. and And he's not paying attention. But she's now setting her mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live, again in verse 5, according to the Spirit, and we'll paraphrase here, are setting their minds on the things of the Spirit. They are... The, the soul, the mind, the emotions need to learn to turn. It is learning how to set. Now, if we for decades have been set this way, boy, there's a process to learn how to set it back this way. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So now we ourselves need to learn how to set our minds. Set our souls. This magnet, friends, is still the strongest magnet. Heavenly reality is still the strongest reality. And and we need to receive that by faith, and then learn to re- experientially receive it. Because we would think, well, no. The the reality is only over here. Look at the world around me, and look how physical it is. No, 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 no. The heavenly reality. He- the heavenly reality. We're living in the heavenly places. We're, Ephesians says we're we are we have been seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. It's just that what are we setting the soul on? And so as for our own selves, and then for the people that we're serving, we are asking them to learn to set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And to challenge them when they are only setting their minds on the things of the flesh. Okay, so that's where God in His wonderful love, our Father, comes in, and at times, He gives us measurements of how we're doing to the church he measures us sometimes friends and you know I at home we have a wall and it's still there where our two youngest daughters as they grew were measured Shekana, Oksana, the marks are still there this year we're here this year we're here A good father wants to see growth. A good father wants to see fruit. And he does that at times by measuring us. There's different passages of Scripture. And again, I want to just thank Pete and Lisa for prompting my mind with this phrase that I heard from them a few months ago called delayed maturity. And it just prompted me. And, and just where, how we are doing in our in our maturity. And Hebrews five, where that phrase is, is one of the passages where God measures us. By this time, you should be here. First John chapter two is a passage where He measures us. I write to you, children. I write to you, young men. I write to you, fathers. That was not referring to ages, physical ages. That was referring to where we are with the Lord. Arriba. Another passage that measures us, and we'll just end with this, and then maybe we can have some interaction, is 1 Corinthians 2 and 3, where we have these three words given by Paul to a church that he loves. He's the father of the church, and so he is not condemning them when he uses those words. But his challenge is this. There are some who are soulish, and 1 Corinthians 2 says, a soulish person does not understand the things of God because they are foolishness to him. Now he's writing to believers here. But then he goes on to say, but the spiritual person judges or discerns all things. And so, someone whose soul, mental, mind, will, is the dominant part of them, they can miss God. Because they could be, those words can be foolishness to the soulish believer. But the spiritual person, the one who has been strengthened in the spirit, has a healthy spirit, who has cleansed himself from defilement of the flesh and spirit, 2 Corinthians 7.1, is starting to discern and righteously. And then... He goes on in chapter 3, and obviously we all know there's no chapter, verse breaks in the letter. He's very clearly, as a spiritual father, just comparing where you're at. And he's not doing it in order to condemn. He's doing it in order to bring us into a higher degree of maturity. But he says, I could not write to you as spiritual. But as, as to babes in Christ, the word nepios, the word babes, it's an infant up to two years old. I write unto you babes in Christ, for you are still sarkikos. You are still carnal. You're still being led only by the appetites of the physical. You're only looking to the physical reality. You're only connected to the physical reality. And you're ignoring the ultimate reality, which is the spiritual reality. And so Paul writes that about the spirit, the spiritual one, the soulish one, and the carnal one, as, as, as asking us, hey, let's, let's become a spiritual people. Arriba. And especially for, for leaders that we learn how to serve the Lord, as Romans 1, 9 says, I serve the Lord with my spirit. It's in the spirit that you know. Mark chapter 2 tells us that Jesus knew within himself. He knew within his spirit. He knew within his heart. Is your spirit, as we all know, is your knower. But uh, I just want to talk about this word just briefly. That word knower is not the word just gnosis, knowledge. It's the word epigenosis. The prefix epi in Greek is a focused, detailed. Every time you see epi, it's focused, detailed. And so a bishop, the episcopal office in the church And I'm talking about the denomination, because you could have the denomination without having the office. The episcopal office, the bishop office, epi and scope. Scope means seeing, looking, judging, discerning, the scope. A bishop, epi, scope, is looking in detail on the condition of the church. And we need episcopes back in the church again. Amen, amen. But n- your spirit also tells you, Scripture tells us that we can epikinosis. And that happens in our inner man. Detailed knowing so that you're confident. Epikinosis. You know that you know, you have a detailed focus. This is why I know. And that happens in your inner man. Okay, folks, let's give these folks a hand here. Okay, <laughs> let's sit down. Okay, Cameron, can we take five, 10 minutes for some interaction on this? What do you guys think? What's, what, what are your comment, commentaries on this? Maybe a different perspective, angles on. Yeah. Come on, I'm just taking the mic. I'll hold the mic. Okay, you can
0: hold the mic. Okay. When the fall came, when he's talking about the spirit dying, man had to come into the knowledge of good and evil. That was the purpose of the fall. In order for us to be like God, to reconcile this, Jesus was the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. And he always uses the devil to accomplish his goal. The devil thought he won when he had Jesus crucified. But that was the Father's will. After man ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, Now man has become where Adam has become one of us to know both good and evil and for the first time now god the father has something to contrast himself with to prove to his creation i am a good god and we're learning to do what jesus good what jesus did even though we have both the knowledge of good and evil, only to choose the good. And that's the transformation that the church is entering into now.
1: Okay. Thank you. I have a question. How else can we care and develop our inner man? Let's give, let's give our thoughts to each other. We talked about nurturing and knowing and being aware of the condition of our inner man. So how do we nurture? How do we care for our spirits? What are your thoughts? First, you have to know that there's something wrong with it. I'm asking for the answers so (laughs) I have the microphone I get to ask the questions okay so conscience right there you know Lord okay if conscience is a function of the spirit and I believe it is then one of our prayers needs to be Lord give me a clear conscience Scripture in the New Testament talks about five different conditions of the conscience. You can have a clear conscience. You can have an excusing conscience, Romans 2.14. You can have an accusing conscience. Most of us raised in a religious environment struggle with an accusing conscience with a law-oriented environment, y- your conscience is always telling you, you did, you did this, you did that, you, did, you did, it, was, it was wrong. And then Titus talks about a defiled conscience. And the word defiled conscience in uh, the Greek there is the word discolored. It actually means stained. It, was a, it would be as if I would take this cup of coffee and stumble and pour it on Gwen's white shirt and it's supposed to be pure, but it's stained. It, it's not the color it's supposed to be. And Titus 1.15 says our conscience can be defiled. And our con- our cultures, our Western cultures, are, are, are basically defiled consciences right now. But the fifth step of a conscience, and again, we're talking about the health of our spirit. The fifth step is 2 Timothy chapter 4, where it says the conscience can be seared. A seared conscience is beyond feeling. There's no promptings anymore. the, The smoke alarm could go off as loud as you want, the spiritual smoke alarm, and you can't hear it, and you will burn in the house. Because the conscience is seared. And so to ask, I think, you know, just to a, an ongoing discussion about how do we become aware of our spirit if something's wrong with it, let's ask the Lord for a clear conscience. Acts twenty four sixteen. Acts 24, actually, verse 15 and 16. He, Paul in verse 15 is talking about the resurrection that he wants to attain to. And then in verse 16, he says, this being so, that is, I know I'm going to appear before the Lord Jesus. This being so, I strive always to have a conscience clear of offense before God and man. The God part is easy. The wife part is a little bit more difficult. The husband part is a little bit more difficult. And so so we can strengthen our spirit when we... You know, when we keep our, our, a clear conscience. Okay, so that's that's one aspect. Other other um, commentaries. How do you nurture? How can we care for your spirit? Yes. Authentic relationships, absolutely. That's really good. Yeah, Lisa. Feeding it on the word. Of God. Absolutely, that's what Hebrews 4, the, the scriptures is the food for our spirit, isn't it? It just does something. What else? Absolutely, renewing the mind. Good word. Yes, brother.
0: Yeah. I, I feel safe now because I'm rooted and grounded in the love of God, the glory we're experiencing, the atmosphere of, of God's presence. And because of the love and the commitment that we have to each other, I can come now where it is before I was afraid of being
1: condemned. I know I'm going to be encouraged yeah. to call out of me what's in this deep world. Yeah. Yeah. That's good,
2: yeah. Well, just in that illustration, uh, and I've seen it before, it's really impacted me, but most, nearly all discipleship books or Christian books or self-help books that are available in teaching focuses either just on the soul or on the body, secular or Christian. So if they focus on a body, it's just, behavioralism yep. it's focused on a soul it's jungianism right and 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 and, and freudianism kind of bridges both of those but this whole aspect of uh, recognizing the spirit man is actually supposed to be the dominant influence within us but that is just unheard of most pastors most c- biblical counseling Schools, <laughs> it's really unknown. It's a forgotten truth in Scripture. But once you see this, reread the Bible. And, and it's like, oh, my goodness. It's everywhere in the Bible. How did we miss it? And, and so Christians are walking around with really strong souls. Okay. You know, most prophecy comes out of the soul. It's not supposed to come out of the soul supposed to go out of the spirit but our spirits are little infants because they the spirit has never been edified doesn't know how to get the word from the f- heavenlies and then so the soul is still dominant and so that's where uh, the transformation happens where the spirit becomes the dominant and the soul becomes aligned in proper submission to the spirit so that the soul can have its right We're not s- talking about getting rid of the soul yeah. We're actually s- saying it needs to be in the right place and given the right power. Listen, a soul empowered by a healthy spirit in touch with heavenly reality is gonna be much stronger that then can can influence the body. But the reverse happens. Our bodies influence our soul and, and continue to keep our spirit suppressed. Okay. But when the spirit is fed up, and we're not just training people not don't touch. Don't taste. That's, oh. that's body training. Come on. All right. Oh my goodness. It's a reversal of the process. And that's what most Christianity is, and because it was a forgotten truth. And so now God's restoring this truth of this of, of the spirit man oh, yeah, yeah. and how it's supposed to come in alignment and then the soul comes in alignment and then the body and so the whole manifestations of the body in your teaching which I love on God using our physical bodies
1: that's that's tied right into this. So.
2: Yeah, I, I love
1: that. And I would agree 100%. So much discipleship is just soulish or behavioralism. And so let me just, I want to make a comment and then I'm going to get some of I see others have hands up and I'll get to you. But one of the ways for me that reminds me to keep my spirit strong, and we all know this, is once in a while just going a fast. Just say to that body, no. 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 And then you can also have a soulish fast, like the, the, the intellectual or the, like get off the news once in a while because your soul is feeding off of stuff. And I have to do that. Just get off of it. And the, the older I get, and so I just want to share some of these things, that I really believe that the Lord gave us faith. I, I love coffee. And God has me on this this routine with him, with coffee. Because this stuff gets very practical, folks. And I'm not talking coffee for you. I'm, for you, it might be something else. But this stuff gets really practical, that he will just speak to me. Okay, right there, I just want you to just have a little off the flesh, off the soul, off the desires now, and and... He, back in the day when I was young, and I'm glad he did it when I was young, he put me on a seven-year coffee fast. John, seven years. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about that, but anyways. I'm going to challenge you, see, especially for the young people here, learn how to fast once in a while and get your, your spirit in. Did you have your hands up? Jesus, Jesus said, <coughs> unless you eat
3: my body and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And, and so in the absence to have life within, which is the life of the spirit, we have to eat his body and drink his blood. And of course, that was a big, uh, everyone left after that point. And, and the disciples said, what are you talking about? And he says, my words are Spirit. And my words are life. So he he connects. Jesus connects his body with the word and his blood with with the spirit. The word and the My words are spirit and life. So there is a, a whole integration of the of of the word. The gospel is God's language. It, it's not just a temporary message that we get to get saved. It's what God speaks. So that context of Hebrews 4 is, is God speaking from heaven. And he says, the gospel is being preached to you. This is God speaking. He's giving us the word con- constantly. It's one integrated message. The whole word of God is one integrated message with Jesus, the word of God. And we hear that. We eat Jesus' body. And it acti- there's a constant activation of our spirit by the intervention of God. God is intervening. God sent Jesus, His Son. This nothing, this none of this works. And one of my concerns in the body of Christ right now is what I'm calling a renewal of the mind religion, where there is we're seeing the reality of the spirit and the reality of the flesh realm, and we're we're, we're seeing the need for the body to mature and grow up in the things of the spirit. But what we're actually activating is their wills in another principle orientation. When the whole book of Colossians, Paul writes that book to break the church out of principal orientation, and he says the way to do it is set your mind on things above. You have died. Your life is hid. Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. It's the same message you heard when you got you saved. Hear it again today from the Father. The Father's intervening today. The father's, the father's giving you everything you need today in his son. Eat it today. Drink it today. Die today. Get raised again. Live by the glory today. And that just it just keeps you full,
1: active. But it's one word from God.
3: So that's absolutely.
1: Well, let's let's make things even more uneasy. As he brought it up. So communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist. Cameron Belly. oh no, we're good. See, a lot of us, at least I was raised, it's only a symbol. Now, if you want to feel that way, go ahead. But I want to challenge you to get on Wikipedia as leaders and look up real presence and the historical tracking of the doctrine of of real presence from the Reformation on. I just want to challenge you. I'm not going to preach it. I want to challenge you to do that. And the discussion of real presence does not necessarily have to mean that you are a Catholic believing in transubstantiation. Because he was offered, Hebrews says, once for all. So that offering happened once. But most historical denominations coming out of the Reformation still had an understanding of grace being added to you through the Lord's Supper. Some say amen, some say oh me. That's fine. It is, friends, we're talking here about nurturing our inner man. The word... Absolutely, spirit and life. But there's, hey, uh, I, I, can, I, I, I won't get into all my teaching on that. We, we need to think in terms of a Hebrew mentality, friends, that the spiritual does interact with the physical still. That grace can still come on a physical object. If grace could be on a handkerchief attached to Paul's body and then taken to another city and grace touches that other person in that city, that means that heaven interacted with a physical object on earth. It doesn't mean you have to turn Catholic. All it means is that Okay, what is this, what's really happening here? And where's my faith level for this? Okay, it's quarter after 12. Lunch is ready. So, Lord, let's just pray. Father, seal these thoughts into our inner man. What we are praying here today is that leaders in this room are strengthened with might in their inner man. And they would be, as Paul is, serving the Lord with their spirit. A healthy, strengthened inner man in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.